Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. It snowed yesterday, and today it's 50 degrees. Isn't it great? It's springtime. Spring is great. Yes, roads are going to come back is what that means, which I'm very, very excited about. And the Lotus hasn't been out in like a week, but it was out a week ago, which I'm pretty excited about that too. I had the Cayman out. It was, I know you did. It's waiting. She's I know you did. Which means that our poor cheap sports cars on their winter tires need their – now they're sitting around because they need summer tires again. Yeah, we do have to switch them out. It is – because now I can start to hear the pavement start oh, to chew time. through. It, like, they're, they're singing. They're singing. It's time. But we have a lot of cool stuff coming with those cheap sports cars. I'm going to give you guys a tease real quick. We're going to do a performance testing episode. We wanted to do that since we bought them. Yeah. Yeah. We've been looking at each other going, okay, we can't do a standing drag race because we're going to destroy these cars. What if we did a rolling a drag rolling race? A rolling drag race might be a little Who bit Who would easier. do well? So we'll do that and some other fun stuff. That's coming. We're going to do an episode where we teach people to drive manual transmission in those cars. I'm yeah. very excited about yeah. that. That's coming. We're going to do a larger – I'm not going to tell you all the details, but we're going to do a larger cheap car comparison with those cars included. That's coming in the summertime. Of course, there's wrap-ups and stuff. There's a lot of good stuff coming with those. We are also talking about what's next. And we're not going to tell you yet. <laughs> well, as of this podcast recording, our friend Sabine Schmitz passed away mm. yesterday. And yeah. in the future, when you're listening to the podcast in the future, I think it will only seem like yesterday. And if you don't know who Sabine is, she left a giant mark on the automotive community. And mm-hmm. I encourage you to look her up and look the videos up that she has, has done over the years. She was an incredible person as well as being an incredible driver. Yes. And in a tribute to her and just wanting to celebrate her life, I wanted to share with you a quick story okay. about when we were on pilgrimage 2017 and we went to her ranch mm-hmm. and we brought everybody who was on the pilgrimage with us. We arranged a dinner the night before we were supposed to be on the ring to yep. drive yep. a bunch of cars. And so we went to her ranch and she had prepared a feast Mm-hmm. Out back. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, September still-ish. Yeah. yeah, it was. So it was warm. She prepared a feast. There was grilled salmon. There was grilled roast beef and a bunch mm-hmm. of side it dishes. It was a fantastic sliced dinner. Sliced bread. It was just, it was so wonderful. And she had a huge picnic table mm-hmm. for everyone to sit at. And mm-hmm. at the time, she was running a 10-bedroom bed and breakfast. Yep. And there were two, I think two other couples who were staying there at the time. And I think they knew who she was, but I think they were more interested in just the bed and breakfast part. They didn't really care about cars. (laughs) And they were sitting at the picnic table like, Sabine's just our our host. Mm -hmm. And she was great at that. She was really, really good at that. She was so wonderful to be around. She was every bit like she was on camera. Mm-hmm. The the personality you see is exactly what you got. She would tease you. She'd hug you. Mm-hmm. She'd make you feel good about yourself. She'd encourage you. What I, and it was what so I was, wonderful. What I was most surprised by with her is here's a person that was a actual major race-winning driver. Yes. Was well-known everywhere at the ring. At this point, by the time we'd met her, was this was long after the race Jeremy Clarkson in a van on the ring. Yeah. It was long after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. She'd already hosted the reboot of Top Gear UK. Right. She was already one of those hosts. That's so right. she was even more known. Mm-hmm. And the best word I can think of is generous. She was Absolutely. just a generous person. Yeah. She, was, she could have been, you stand over there. She had the right to. She could have had a, you know, I'm going to be all business. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you fed. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. She didn't have to host us then. Not at all. She didn't have to. She was a host. She was generous with her time. She was generous with her smile and her laughs and her jokes. I was shocked 
by how warm and inviting she was knowing who she was. Yeah, for sure. So this story is we all went through the buffet line. She'd set up a bunch of tables. I mean, mm-hmm. tablecloths draped down. It was down. great. It was awesome. We all went through the, the buffet line. We we're all seated towards the end of dinner, and we were, some people were having dessert. Other people weren't. And she came out with a tray full of shot glasses. Yes, she did. Full. She did not know why I didn't take one. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't. Because I just don't drink. And I was like, no, thank you. And she looked at me like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So she came out. And she said, schnapps, everybody, schnapps. It makes you fast. <laughs> and everyone... Which made me double think. I was like, wait a minute. Anyway. <laughs> yes, everyone dove for a shot glass full of schnapps. And we were toasting and laughing. Yeah. And, of course, it was the night before. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fine. And it was just... It was so cool. She she just was teasing everybody, mm-hmm. and she's like, schnapps makes you fast on the ring. Here you go. And we're like, okay, that's the magic elixir that you drink, yeah, and you I'll drink so, that. Yeah. And so, Sabine, we, we raise a shot glass full of schnapps Big in, time. Uh, in honor to her, and uh, thanks for her friendship. And I admit, uh, she's in my heart. I shed a tear over her, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just tough. But It was hard to hear. She had a hard battle with cancer, which yeah. is just even more heartbreaking knowing who she was and how lively she was. We're very sorry to see her go. We just, the best way to remember people is to talk about them. Absolutely. And that's what we want to keep doing. Yeah. So we encourage you to do that as well. Guys, season eight transitioning here is available on Amazon Prime and Vimeo. If you haven't seen that yet, mm-hmm. it is still currently playing on the Motor Trend Cable channel, but we are transitioning already to streaming with it. Mm-hmm. Every episode is available there. And Blipshift has a new shirt. Yes. It is the 86 shirt. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it yet. It's not Fast but Furious. It looks <laughs> very similar to the original Fast and Furious branding, but it is a very cool shirt. If you're an 86 fan at all, if you own one, if you know somebody that does, go to everydaydriver.com, hit the store tab, go to the blip shift part of the store, and right there you will see not Fast but Furious. It's a very fun shirt and it has the right brand. It, I guarantee it's one of those double take shirts from Blip Shift yeah. where you go, wait, what? Oh, that's funny. It's really cool. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets, if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Kyle Johnson has written to us one of our first two car debates here, and I have to say, he's writing to us from Tokyo, and we may have a first for me. Oh, really? Because generally, I read these car debates, and thank you guys for sending them in. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. We read them all. We sort them all. I guarantee you, if you've sent one in, yes, we saw it and read it. There's <laughs> yes. tons of them. We love it. This one from Kyle is very cool because he's currently stationed in, the, in Japan, and he's going to be there for a while yet. And so he's buying to invest in cars in Japan. And generally, when I read a car debate, I'm not even halfway through, and I've got a list in my head, okay, this and maybe this and possibly one of these, and I'm, I'm building mm-hmm. my, my resume of cars to bring, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I read this and sat back and went, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I've got some ideas that might spark you. So okay. I've got a couple, but I'm still kind of going, wow, this is hard. I must warn everybody that, you know, when you say, guys, you're naming all the chassis codes and the engine codes, and I don't know what that car is. This is that list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
for the the JDM enthusiast, Big this time. is that list. It's Big a time. juicy list here about things that Kyle's considering, but we will do our best to make them not so JDM-y, JDM-ish. <laughs> Without having the benefit of you seeing any of these exactly. cars while we talk about them, yeah. We'll do our best to explain that. The conclusion is that Kyle sent a car debate about a year or so ago. He had an R33 Skyline GTR he wasn't awesome. very happy with. Ooh. Who's not happy with an R33? Yeah, well, anyway. Maintenance and restoration took much of the joy out of the ownership experience. Mm. And then when they started skyrocketing in price, it made the car too precious. We knew people that had air-cooled 911s that felt that way. They had it, they loved yeah. it, they drove it, and the minute they went really skyrocketing price, they're like, I can't take it out anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I do have an issue with that. It had LMGT1s on it. These are the three-piece forged mm. five-spoke Nismo LMGT1 wheels. They're gorgeous. They're crisply machined. The radiuses are very tight, so they, they look like <laughs> money. You know, a 20-axis mill milled them out of a chunk of titanium <laughs> kind of thing. They're beautiful. Yes. They're very expensive. Ten grand for just the wheels, and it had xenon projector light headlights, also ten grand. And Kyle says even the stickers on the side of the spoiler are selling for one thousand dollars on Yahoo auctions in Japan. That's nuts. That's a, that's officially nuts. I, wow, they're stickers. I mean, I like stickers at all. <laughs> stickers are cool. I, I like like they're doors. They're stickers. They're stickers. Just... Come on. <laughs> So the car was stressful to own because of all this, mm-hmm. and Kyle was all, always terrified about what would happen next. So he wrote to us asking if he should sell it for fifty grand and buy a used Audi R8 manual with a bit of a price increase, or B, sell it and build his dream Miata with the goal of doing a K-swap. Okay. So for those of you not in the know, this is K-Power Industries doing K-swaps, the K-series engines from Acuras, primarily the TSX and the Acura... Um, RSX Type S's. Honda engines. You little, put those in the Miata. Little Ben from Gears and Gasoline is a K-Swap fiend. He's just yes, trying to figure is. everything to put a K-Swap into. So if you want to see K-Swaps going into things, go to the, our friends at Gears and Gasoline because their stuff's awesome. He chose B. He Kyle chose a K-Swap. And he says, as you can imagine, there are some hiccups. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when you, when you, oh, sorry. Yes. Anywhere in the, in the term engine swap, guess what? Hiccups will follow. I don't even care if you're doing the same brand. I'll, I'll tell you one. When, I, when my Lancer decided to throw a rod and not work oh, anymore, that's right. I looked into – it's a Lancer with the, with the gearbox that went on the Evo engine. Why can't I put an Evo engine into that gearbox and the I, I like scratch the surface of that problem <laughs> yeah. and the number of check engine lights that follow is numerous. <laughs> so you. I would we're not doing that. It's like yeah. picking a bathroom tile and you it's, get a kitchen remodel. Don't do it. that, yeah. Well, Kyle managed to get thirty five thousand dollars for the skyline. He knows he could have gotten fifty if he sold the wheels and headlights separately. Man. Wow, that's tough to swallow, but he had a buyer ready and a Miata already in sight, so he said go. He says, who knows how long it would take to sell these niche parts. I'm thinking about three minutes, but that's my <laughs> but, opinion. But then you've got the hassle. Yes, yes. But Kyle picked up the Miata, started rebuilding it. He says the R8 was out for two reasons, because he got notified he's going over to Okinawa. And as Todd said, he's in the military. So he's in Japan for a further four years at least. So the K-Swap now is out of the question because of Japan's strict regulations. Mm-hmm. The Miata is now finished, except for the engine and the roll bar. He tracks it regularly. Wow. He's got upgraded, well, name apart, and it's upgraded. Everything. It's been, yeah, there's upgrades that have happened. He says time. he's got strut bars for slidey time. Slidey time. <laughs> okay, I like what it. What time is it? Slidey time. It is slidey time all the time. <laughs> he's going to Okinawa, which puts him in the unique position of buying another 
potentially appreciating asset. This is the key sentence to the mm-hmm. entire email. Yes. Here's the problem. He doesn't want to get rid of the Miata because it's teaching him to be a better driver, and that's his end goal. Okay, I like that. His fleet has included a 97 Toyota Celsius and a 92 Unis Roadster 1.6, but he thinks he can swing a third car in Okinawa and have no debt. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> He's thinking it would be a shame not to pick up another appreciating asset that he can baby. The Miata is the fun car. It can be beat on. But he says the way things are going, it seems to be a waste if he doesn't. He says leaving Japan in 2025 puts a few potentially profitable cars in his future. So here's my question on how you read this. Do you read this as he's buying now to sell before he leaves Japan? Or do you read this as he's buying now to sell here when he comes back? I'm exploring both. I'm, okay. I'm of the All mindset right. the second one, okay, which leads me to my choices. Okay. But I'm Because I'm it's unclear in, to me if he's just buying to park money and then unload them before he leaves. Well, here's why. I, I think he's not going to unload them. But, Kyle, you correct us and somebody educate us about if you're in the military, what you can and cannot bring back to – the U.S. after well, they you purchase something. They cover stuff, but then other stuff you could ship yourself. Sure, but as far but as regulations, yikes. and I'm talking about the forbidden fruit, the cars that aren't yes. built here that are newer, could yeah. you bring one of those back? That's kind of where I'm going with this. So as I said, he's in the military. He has a wife who is kindly tolerant of his tendencies. He's got a seven-month-old and a second baby expecting in the next year or two. You know, babies will really only bake for nine months, so... <laughs> You're, how can you? How can you? Don't, know? Just, 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 okay. How Leave do you it know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, this list includes mostly right-hand drive cars, but mm-hmm. Honda S2000 AP1, a Stagia. So that is the Nissan Stagia that was built as the uh, competitor to the Forester. And our friends at mm-hmm. Sotomoto Adam has one currently for sale. It's a wagon. Mm-hmm. He's listed his for sixty-five hundred dollars. So this is a 94. Yeah. Stagia. I'm looking. It's on his website now. But Adam does quite a bit of importing. So they're actually really reasonably priced. He has uh, a Type R, a Civic Type R, the EG generation, which I believe started in 94. Yeah, it's the late 90s late, version. Late through yeah. late 90s, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, Super Forester STI, the GC uh, Model 8 STI, WRX STI. So that's an STI before they were coming here. Yes, correct. And he also has an Evo 6, which is the Evo before they Same were coming. Same thing. Yeah. The Delica, the Nissan BE-1. Which Nissan. is like the Nissan Mini. The Delica is the is the all-wheel drive. Matt Farah owns one. Yeah. It's, it's the right, all-wheel right. drive small wagon that's a, got four, four-wheel drive running gear. If you've ever seen one on the road, they're like half-sized. They're just bigger than a K car, but they're they're lifted all-wheel drive. Uh, not wagon, sorry, van. They're, they're a mini van. Yeah. In the true sense of the word, they are a mini You're, you're van. sitting over the front wheels. Absolutely you are. The Nissan BE1 is like the Nissan Mini. And then he's got the Figaro, which is the tiny little coupe. Figaro. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there, yeah. <laughs> the Nissan Pow, the Honda Beat, Mitsubishi Colt Rally Art, a Toyota Hi-Ace. The CRX, the EF CRX SIR. He says, this is older, but he really wants one. Hmm. The Mitsubishi Legnum. A Toyota Alford. I like I like the Alford vans. They're just ridiculous and cool. If you could bring one of those, that'd be. You'd have to have a parade every weekend, uh, and, and an Evo wagon, don't you think? With the yeah. weird front end, and they they look like a Gundam character. And that's very funny. Like, All right, what is that thing? So now Kyle tracks every month, and he does mountain roads consistently. But in Okinawa, he'll have less tracks available, and will have to resort to Gymkhana or drift. 
oh darn, I have to resort to drifting. I'm sorry. In in the the motherland where it was invented. Oh darn. He says the mountains there are nice, but few. Rust is apparently going to be a serious concern because you're on a you know fairly good sized island. But yes, ocean water. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean mist. He's got access to a lift. He can wrench, but he hates doing so. He hates washing his car. Mm. And he identifies with Todd in this yes, case. Yes, he does. Kyle. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Fine. The budget is $20,000 max. He would have to take a loan. Due to the age of the car, it would be a collateral loan, not a car loan, which means the lowest possible interest rate is about 7%. But he's got friends who are dealers and can pick up at auction easily enough. But what you have to factor in is shipping from the mainland Japan to Okinawa is about a thousand bucks. Okay. Registration and tax costs are usually another thousand after purchase, not including the required repairs to pass. He sends us some websites, which is nice to poke around on to kind of get an idea of, of what's available. I love your list that you're already thinking of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here's the purpose, and that is to make good use of Kyle's money or the bank's money while he thrashes the Miata. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to go promptly thrash the Miata. Bye, honey. The Miata will continue to cost money, yes, as he suspects the engine will require a rebuild. (laughs) Sure, why not? While we're here. With a luxury sedan and a two-seat roadster, a wagon or van makes the most sense. That pushes him towards the Stegia, the wagon, with Mm -hmm. the RB25, not the 260RS. Engine codes, yay. But he does think the most sure, profitable choice would be a Honda S2000. However... That means he'd have two roadsters, yeah. which he thinks is a bit of excess, a little excessive. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm going a bit Especially too far. Especially with your next baby that you're planning on yes. a year from now. With more family on the way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a twist. He's considering leasing a newer car like a Yaris GR or something along those lines, since as a military member, it's difficult to sell to the local community due to the way their vehicles are registered. Very interesting. All right. He says it's a process. He's pretty much limited to selling on exit to other military members who are either looking for a $3,000 beater or some hot investment. They might be able to take over a lease, which is mm-hmm. what he's considering. Can we help him? What is he missing? I think there is one thing that he's missing. Really? Okay, good. Yeah. I, I have a few thoughts here, Kyle, and, and I don't know that I have an answer because, again, I don't know that market well enough. And I real I feel like the level of dig in that would be required for me to go, I know the market well enough, is time none of us have. I, 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 we, there'd be some serious ramp-up time. I like so much of the stuff you've mentioned. The older stuff is especially intriguing because some of the older stuff is almost on the cusp of you could bring it back. But the more I look at this email, the more I think it's something that is an alt car for the family, the whole family, that mm-hmm. you think you can enjoy, mm-hmm. that you can get your money back out of before you leave. That's how, the more I read this, the more I feel like that's where we're leaning. Because I honestly think that if you personally tried to bring a car back to the U.S., you would probably lose money on the deal. You have somebody like our friend Adam at Sotomoto who's got he's got it dialed. Thank you. I, w- I want to talk about. By it the time this. you bring it back here, I don't know that you keep your money in a good way, which means unloading it there. You've said unloading stuff there is difficult because of the way U.S. military personnel's vehicles are registered. It's difficult to sell to locals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that leads me to two places real quick. And I'm not even going to necessarily define a car. But out of the ones you've listed, I think the ones that are most interesting for your situation are the newer, like the, the Legnum, for example, or the Hi-Ace. These are those vans you've talked about that are the really nice, like luxury indoor <laughs> yes, vans yes. with crazy looking style. It's a minivan done like a luxury jet. 
Okay, with it's crazy styling. It's insane how cool mm-hmm. they are and the tech and the luxury. They're awesome. I think that if you're going to buy something, I think that might be your play. Because I suspect that the people that want those later are going to use them possibly in a livery sense to drive other oh. people around. And I think people that are yeah. looking for cars to drive around in a livery sense are going to be less daunted by the difficulty of buying from former U.S. military. A random person, True. it just might be too much to hassle. But if you have one that's nice that you kept up that you used for your family, you could sell it to somebody that's going to use it for livery purposes and drive others around. I think they would be able to navigate that gauntlet easier. And in the meantime, you have a crazy van you can't get in the U.S. It's a luxury van. I'm leaning toward that stuff or your lease idea. I like that. I mean, you guys have to look up these vans, the Alford and the Velfire. Mm-hmm. They look like they're going to unfold and stand up and then kill you. Mm-hmm. They really do look like that. They're insane. And you're, you're thinking, a van is a box. How can a box look yeah. crazy? They do, and they're only in Japan. And anywhere outside of Japan, you, people are just going to be like, what on earth is that thing? Yeah, but you can't bring them here yet. They're too new. They're too new. Yeah. Which makes me wonder about the regulations. And Kyle mm. and other military members or ex-military, I don't know enough about the program and what is allowed and what isn't. My thinking is, I, I like your choices, but I'm a little bit concerned because Adam at Sotomoto and Kyle Soto-Moto.com, he's got it dialed and his prices are low. Mm-hmm. He brings in good cars and he has very reasonable prices. This 98 Nissan Stegia RS4, it's only available in Canada, but he's asking 6500 6, Yeah, yeah. It's not $50,000. His expensive cars are like fifteen grand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really worth considering and, and looking into the investment. But he's already got him here. Adam mm-hmm. already has his process, and he, he's he's found them already. He yeah, knows where yeah. to go to get them. So for you to bring one back over, I don't know that you're going to get the investment dollars you're thinking you're going to get unless it's one of three very special cars. Mm-hmm. So if you could, again, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. If you could bring back something new, like you leased or bought a Yaris GR and brought it here under the magical rules and somehow you could bring it here. <laughs> the military sleight of hand. Yes. yes. Suddenly you've got a car in, in North America, in the U S nobody yeah. has. Yeah. You could easily sell that for twice its price or drive it for 10 years and then sell it for the same amount. Or could you get an early Nissan 400 Z? Are they going to be in the Japan home market before they come here? Interesting. The, the timing might be off because you're going to be there for four years and we'll definitely They're not going to be that new anymore. Yeah. I do wonder about, are, is does the military have a weird loophole that would get that cover? That's, That's intriguing. What I'm I, I don't know. I That's might be inventing something out of sure, thin air. Sure, I sure. could be completely wrong, or maybe there's something there. Mm. But I do think that you need to investigate the first-generation Acura NSX. Those oh. will always be going up from here on out. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna stick around. That's a good matter. point. If you bring a, a right-hand yeah. drive Acura NSX, some JDM junkie is going to be like, oh. <gasps> Yeah. I will mortgage everything to have that. And I admit that's – I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I don't understand right-hand drive versions of cars here that were actually sold here left-hand drive. <laughs> don't But either. I know don't there's either. a market. I know there is. But that to me is one of the only cars that will get you the investment dollars that I see in your eyes. <laughs> I can't see in your eyes. But He's trying to park imagining. his money, and I do see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. Th- the problem is acquiring one of those in Japan, you're not going to get it right away. But you said whatever car you get is going to sit anyway while you go thrash the Miata on Saturday mornings. Mm. So save while you're there. Get an NSX. Bring it back. It's some cherry thing. You mm-hmm. brought it back. And, 
NSX should be allowed in, right? Mm-hmm. And right-hand drive, and somebody's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you got that thing. You have that. Yeah. You know, it's some sort of special, you know, whatever, Senate edition or I, I don't know, something like that. Because, again, with every other car, I don't think you're going to make the kind of money. You might make a few thousand bucks, which isn't worth your time. Mm, and if you're not going to drive yeah. it in Okinawa, why would you own it? That's a great question. You've got question. the Miata to thrash. Which, which and leads money us back into. toward the lease thing. Yes. Get a lease, and it's a car you can walk away from. And yes. then and then the person that you leased it from, that manufacturer or dealer, they will be able to turn around and sell it. And you'll have no hassle. Kyle, I was looking at all the other cars that Toyota sells in Japan. I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't work here. That wouldn't work. That's too weird. That's too small. That's too... Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. There's a reason that the markets are different. Yeah. But the special ones, you're going to have to go way back. Let's say you had held on to that skyline and you were bringing that back. I could see that. Yeah. But you're right. There's a... I got to insure it. It sits. And why do I have this thing? And wife, meanwhile, is going... Eh. Hmm? If you what, do what? need something else, I think it's the crazy van because I think the crazy van you could get and get if rid of can bring it as over. easy as possible. No, I'm I'm saying leaving it there. Oh, you the, think the, leave the it new there? the I new would the love new a ones? Velfire driving yes, around. But I t- don't think that's coming Ohio. back. Ohio now a Delica you could bring back you here. Could, and what's you funny could, is yeah. I've actually seen a few of them locally. <laughs> I've seen a few Delicas. There is because, one uh, in I've seen in Park City actually. Mm-hmm. I but I've seen a few of them driving around locally, and it's so funny because they are by any modern U.S. standard tiny, <laughs> but they've got a nice lift. You're sitting right over the front axle, like one of those flat front uh, semis. Is what, what you're doing, but it's it's got four wheel drive running They're gear. Tiny. And and the thing that I find funny is that's something that is so small. I'm talking width now that the fact that you're driving right hand drive doesn't matter. Exactly. You've got plenty of room in the lane. It's little. But yet they can do off-road stuff. The one, one of the ones I've seen, maybe the same one you've seen here locally in Park City, is set up for overlanding. Yeah. Yeah. Like that guy goes everywhere it's in that super thing. super cool. So and that you could probably unload. The cloud music follows along behind it. It probably does, yeah. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Chris K. in Paris, Texas, has a mileage and track day problem, meaning... Mm -hmm. He wants good gas mileage, but he also tracks his car. He used to have a 2015 Audi S3 that um, he, he he said he did some modifications for autocross. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of those understatement of the year sentences in this email. I think he modified it to death. <laughs> We're going to gloss right over yeah. that. He Moving sold it on. to get the family a Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk, which they've had, which they had in Denver. But now they've moved... And so um, he has been autocrossing his wife's 2011 WRX hatch. She said she's had it forever, long before they met. Honey, can I take your car? Exactly. Can I go trash on your car that you've paid off? (laughs) So uh, they they got the they got when the lease was up on the Jeep. They moved on again. So the family car now 
is an 04 Volkswagen Touareg V8. So he, he's describing it as a lifted Phaeton, which is right. It's actually it's got the, the air suspension. The, oh, man. The problem is, pray, pray that doesn't break. Just, I mean, it's that cool. Vane and Todd's temple break. is the yeah. air suspension. Yeah, that's the air suspension Phaeton vein right there. But So they're in Paris, Texas. It's not a big town. He now has a commute to Sulphur Springs, 40 miles away Do you know where day. this is, by the way? Yeah, you know approximately, yeah. So 40 miles each way, which is not going to be a fun commute. It's just distance, five days a week. And he's realizing <clears throat> that that Toreg is getting him 12 miles to the gallon. So <laughs> Twar- what if Twar- what if his wife has the WRX that he doesn't have to autocross anymore because he has something he can commute in, get good gas mileage, and also take to track and autocross events? This is where we wind up. Chris goes to the gym five days a week, and he says, sometimes the clutch is too much on leg day. How hard is leg day? <laughs> and how hard is your clutch? No kidding. Is it a race clutch? Let's, let's, re- let's figure out the clutch on that STI, because I'm a little worried, or WRX, I'm a little worried about that clutch now. <laughs> His budget is less than 15000 Well, you wrote to the wrong podcast. Because he mm-hmm. wants to pay cash, that includes what he thinks he can get for the Twarg. He thinks he's got a sniper shot, but he wanted to see if he's missing something. And he has narrowed it down to a 2011 BMW 335D. Mm-hmm. Does anybody autocross diesels? I, I have much to say here about automatic? Christopher's ideas. Automatic? Yeah. So he wants an automatic. He thinks that this will give him the balance of power, fuel efficiency, while still getting him back to rear-wheel drive for autocross and possibly some track days. Mm-hmm. He sends along his car history, which it does include an 03 Dodge Neon SRT4 tuned up to 300 horsepower plus... He's no stranger to, to mods. Mm-hmm. A couple of WRX wagons, Nissan Frontier. He's had a variety of things. Rangers, Lots of Jeeps, things, yeah, yeah. Ford Probe, Probe. He had a 2011 Mitsubishi Evo MR, his favorite car ever. <laughs> loved the handling response, loved how it drove, misses that car, loved the smart dual clutch. They are cool when they run. Uh, <laughs> so this is where we are. Is that a note of skittishness in that's your a, voice? That's a note of skittishness. I mean, I still think they're awesome, but yeah. They are awesome. They are awesome. They're just... Get good seats. 2011 would have had good seats. That would have had yeah. good seats, not the Galan seats. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, I'm hearing that you're wanting to go autocrossing with an automatic, which is fine. Which is fine. However, Great. I have to stop you. But a, a diesel? Have, do you know anybody that autocrosses an automatic diesel? Automatic diesel. I mean, you could be the first. It's the first for everybody. I've seen people show up at autocross for a laugh in a diesel pickup. Different conversation. That's, that's a different it's thing. It's just a run what I brung. Yeah. I'm going to dr- yeah. drive the pickup. Isn't this funny? But you're actually saying I need to commute in it. I get you. But also, I really want to like genuinely track an autocross thing, and I really think an automatic diesel is wrong. I'm, I'm not all the way there, Chris, on the diesel. <laughs> It's, you're going to have not. that, that 4,000 RPM rev. I, I, I don't, yeah. The takeoff might be cool. But I'm just, I don't know, there's automatic of, diesel. When you're autocrossing, there's a lot of hanging around red line. There's a lot of that. You're bouncing <laughs> off the limiter maybe in a gear because you don't want to quite shift, and so you'll just you'll take the hit off the red line. you're not bouncing with the automatic. That's the thing. The automatic at a diesel is not really tuned for high performance either. No, this, I just, I think that's a struggle. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hearing the diesel might be out. It, it'll get you the mileage, but yes. it won't do the autocross thing as as well as I think you hope. The it autocrossing will. and the tracking, I think it's just going to be disappointing. That's my concern. Yeah, I will stay with BMW for you, Chris. M235i. There are many under twenty thousand dollars. The cheapest one I found was about seventeen five, mm. and they are automatics. Okay, well, the DSG. So. 
just a thought for you to, to uh, you know, investigate those. I do like those a lot, and I think that's my best choice for you that will get you better gas mileage. I mean, low bar when you're starting at a Twarg. Well, yeah, 12 miles to the gallon. Everywhere we go is way up. I mean, let's be honest. The tow rag. Yeah. I, I, that was honestly one of my favorite commercials ever with a bunch of people <laughs> trying to pronounce that car. It's so funny. It's really, really fun. That's a great one. Uh, if you're going to go stay BMW, I actually didn't, but if you're going to stay BMW, you can also look at the 1 Series. You could look at the 1 Series. 128 sure. eyes. Sure. 135 eyes with an automatic. It's going to be much better for autocross. It, frame of reference here. Much better for autocrossing than the diesel would be. I think you'd find it genuinely fun to drive. I think it's going to be more fun to drive than the diesel that you're looking at, diesel 3 Series you're looking mm-hmm. at. It's not going to get you know forty miles a gallon, but I bet you, driven casually on the freeway, you're probably going to hit high twenties, low thirties. Yeah, anything is going to be better. And at that point, you're more than twice as good as the Torag. Doesn't that get it done? I I don't want you to overshoot. Let's get you better gas mileage, but let's not try to get into the forties. That's not necessary. Right. Uh, well, I might be doing that with dollars, not. Oh, gas well, see, I have other ideas, but where else do you have? I. Would love it if you had a Mazda 3 Turbo, Chris. Mm-hmm. I would love it. Mm-hmm. They could probably do the autocross thing just fine. They can do the track thing just fine. But such a great all-arounder. It's such the right between everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's an 8 or 9 in most things. It's so good. And tires will transform. And it's just, it's just so fun. And it's yet just an automatic. It's just a regular old automatic. I found a way that fits. It's actually on my list. Okay. Here's my tough love for you, Chris. You ready? You ready? <clears throat> sit down. Have your wife sit down. <laughs> Both of you sit for a second because I'm clean in house. Okay. You sell the Toreg and her hatch, her WRX. Ooh. I know she's had it forever. What's that worth? Probably 10 to 15. Take the a WRX photo with hatch? you with it, you know, with a pitchfork in your hands and, you know. Sell the on. WRX hatch. Sell the Toreg. Clean the garage. Yeah. Buy yourself a brand new Mazda 3 turbo hatch. It's on your and list. And a cheap Miata. A cheap Miata. I mean, they'd be an all Mazda family, but still. Who cares? You know, I'm totally, fine with totally an all different generations. You do the Mazda can be the all-purpose commute car as necessary, and then you have the Miata when you drive drive for fun. And if you want to drive the Miata on your commute, that'll get thirty miles to the gallon. Yeah, it will. It will. That's not my I, look. That's my bridge too far recommendation. I have other recommendations where your wife keeps her WX, <laughs> but I just thought since you brought up the Mazda three sure. turbo, I just thought let's just I'll show you my clean house version, which I you both love it. while listening right now are hating. I know <sighs> your wife has car. just looked at you in the last five minutes and just said, "I'm not selling my WRX." <laughs> What's that whistling sound? Mm-hmm. But you said that the reason this one can be automatic is because you've had the WRX for stick shift. What if the Miata was stick shift and the Mazda three turbo was automatic? Yeah. Done. I love it. I have it. other ideas that let her keep the hatch, but that's my clean the garage version. I have one more thought for you. I'm going to spend even more of your money. Uh-oh. Well, actually less than the Mazda 3. Actually less. And here it is. The Hyundai Veloster N just came out with the DSG. True. Hello. It. Let's not talk about purchase price and cash and overall. <laughs> no, no, no. Paul doesn't want to talk Monthly budget. He wants to talk payments. cars. That's funny. Monthly payments. What can you afford per month? <laughs> This is how terrible Get financial you into a Veloster. Look at it this way. It'll be brand new. It'll be a, you know, have a warranty. Mm-hmm. Zero miles. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, that thing will autocross like a champ, yeah. and you can get great gas mileage yeah. with it. It's useful. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. cool looking. Come on. Veloster in with the DSG. All right. All right. I see it. Sweet. I see it. Very interesting. Um, I have two other thoughts for you, Christopher, where I actually obey the rules. Your wife keeps the WRX. Rules, you sell the Torigs. Spending less than $15,000, I have two ideas for you, and they both come from the same point, and that is 
what's a car that I know is genuinely fun to drive that I think you would enjoy being in, even as an automatic and especially an autocross? Mm-hmm. All of that. And then I was shooting for 30 miles to the gallon. Okay. That's triple what you're getting now. Almost. Kinda Almost. S- I kind of see where you're going, I think. First off, Fiat 500 Abarth. Oh, okay. In automatic. Like Not that. a great automatic, but you know what? Great personality. They get like 33 miles the gallon on the highway. Uh, they're not fifteen grand either. No, they're not. Less, Even less of your money. Go autocross that and have fun. And then the other one I have to say, because they're even cheaper than the manuals, the automatic Corvette. Oh. Go get oh. an automatic Corvette. They are oh. cheaper across the board than the manuals are. Go autocross an automatic Corvette. I have been schooled by an automatic Corvette on the racetrack. Oh, yeah. Guy yeah, that had yeah. bought older guy, he bought it new. He was a genuine racer, had an automatic Corvette, and it was he was just like, bring it. <laughs> he just took down everybody. I love guys like that. Yeah, he was just like, I, I am here to destroy you and then casually drive home. 30 miles to the gallon. This is the thing about older Corvettes. They still, they're so overdriven on the upper gears, they'll get 30 miles to the gallon. That's true. But you've maintained all your autocross capability, all the great rear-wheel drive feel. Uh, and I'm going to stop great. here real quick, Chris. Ponder this for a second. Do you want to go tracking or autocrossing in a BMW 3 Series diesel? No, you don't. Or a 500 Abarth or a Corvette? Corvette. The diesel comes in third, let's be honest, and I'm staying there. For, that's a great – for that price. Mm. Corvette gets better gas mileage than a Touareg. Yes, it does. Gets better gas mileage than lots of things. That's because, so funny. Because and this, is, this is the flip side Yay. of that Corvette owner that we don't like, my father, that doesn't drive quickly. Okay, this is the flip side, though, because they have also tuned it for that driver who is going to drive casually on the freeway over distance. And so the gas mileage is surprisingly good because <laughs> the V8 is like, like keep kicking it because it's barely awake. Right. It's like, what am I doing? I'm going over idle? Not really, like 200 RPM over idle. Exactly. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Jorge Megalon asked about the Audi RS6 spotting that I did just mm. recently. He says, what is that color? It reminded him of that you know, mud I ate as a kid comment. That was the Rabbit Asphalt Edition, mm-hmm. though. This one is called Moral Ambiguity Gray. <laughs> you it's, know, like in The Great Gatsby? <laughs> it's primer. It's I didn't bother to paint the car primer color. Yeah. it's That one I don't like. I like silver. I just don't 
the the gray and there's no she, there's no depth to it and it's cool and it's RSE and silver all that stuff. and gray. It's just a, didn't didn't yeah. get a paint color. I just <laughs> the colors that come with the car. That's not okay. Come on. Well, Gordon Blair Clark asks why Audi won't bring more of their RS wagon products to the U.S. People who love the VW Golf have no upgrade path beyond mm. the Golf R. Do we think they're actually missing out on a portion of the market who love hot hatches but have nowhere else to go? He can't afford an RS6 Avant, but with conversion rates, he could afford and would love an RS4 or RS3 Avant. Mm. Apparently, we need to talk to our people at Audi. We have people at Audi? We don't have people. I didn't know that we had people. We are our own people, and we are that's people. about as far as that goes. Yeah. I love that, but I, th- I still think the RS6 Avant being here is a litmus test for Audi executives to say, okay, America, North America, we'll, mm. we'll give it to you, but you're, we're testing you, you know, because... Everything's a test, always. Yes. And based on sales of that thing, we'll determine future RS products here. Possibly. I also think there's a weird thing that goes on with hatches in this country. There's lots of weird things going on with with hatches in this country. But one of the ones that I want to talk about is the fact that I think that in general, wagons have this reputation that just Americans don't buy wagons until you get well above 100000 as your budget – and now you get owners who don't care what anybody else thinks. I have that money. I'm going to buy that. Mm. And I don't mm. know if the lower grade ones would actually sell. I think the ex- the exclusivity and the high price of these super wagons, like the E63, like the RS6, I think that helps them sell because now it's also a status thing that gets it past the stigma, if you will, which isn't a real stigma, but it exists in this country. Of wagons. Yeah. And the niche exclusivity, I guess. Nicely of, done. There's a term. <laughs> I like that. Of just, these are cars that really are just for us enthusiasts. And actually, there's a question that ties into that. And mm-hmm. from Michael W. saying, can we dismiss Audi as no longer an enthusiast brand if it doesn't offer manual transmission? And those cars wouldn't here. So yeah, they're enthusiast cars, but then... The real enthusiasts are still looking for a manual and still buying either older or whatever is a manual offered. I saw that question, though, but the, that, here's the thing. I love manual transmissions, and many of us listening do, and I, I, I love having one, and I hope to always own one. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if you throw out every brand that doesn't make a manual, most supercar exotic cars are now out. Most of them are. <laughs> Well, Ferrari, Bugatti, Pagani, mm-hmm. Koenigsegg. Shall I keep going? If we're talking about non-enthusiast brands, you have wiped a lot of people right off. Maseratis, Lamborghinis, Rematch, Aston. Yes. And, Michael, what about the C8 Corvette? It will never be a manual. Mm-hmm. Is it an enthusiast car? And I would say yes. Absolutely. It's not a car that has a manual, and I wish it did. Here's but it's, one. It's an enthusiast car for Are sure. Are Tesla's enthusiast cars? It's everybody uh, drag races Teslas. Everybody. Are they enthusiast cars? <laughs> they are YouTube enthusiast cars. You're are right. Are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> They're th- come You're on. Right. Watch me drag race everything. Yes. And now, according to that logic, Cadillac is an enthusiast brand because of the Blackwing CT4 and CT5. And Mercedes is not. And Mercedes is not. And BMW is about to not be with their. Whoa, yeah, okay. The front. We like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, for completely. Yes. So. Uh, enthusiast. The, the, pro- the problem is that that is a difficult line to stand on now because automatics and dual clutches have gotten so good. And please hear me again. 
I like manuals and I want to always own one. And I thank God that the Lotus is a manual. But this is unfortunately like electric steering, electronic assist steering. This is a problem. This is where the, the technology has moved. So you either only buy old mm-hmm. or you accept the fact that if I want something new, I have to take some of these compromises. It's a difficult place. And from here on, I think it's only going to be e-tron goodness from Audi. So you may be right. They'll probably be fast. They'll probably be air quotes enthusiast cars. Well, but but, but I would say manuals. I would say Audi's struggle with current enthusiast cred has nothing to do with the transmission. Agreed. Agreed. I think it has to do with car tuning and the way that they rotate and that, the scale of and what their, they are. Their market positioning and yes. the kind of buyer they're going after. Yes. It's not us, mm-hmm. really. No, yeah, generally. I, I mean, it, the RS6 Europe, is really it would cool. Be us, <laughs> but not here. Interesting point. Derek Miller is asking a question that I want to tackle here. He's saying he's confused by track decals on a car. He thought <laughs> when he saw a track decal on a car, it meant the car had been on that track. Mm. But now he's understanding that to many people, a decal on the back of a car means the driver's been to the track. What's right? Well, first off, this is fighting words, okay? Them are fighting words. But, Derek, I'm going to say this to you. I actually am okay, and I say this because I'm justifying myself and I've done it. I'm okay if the tracks on the car mean the driver's been there mm-hmm. with one major caveat because you couldn't get the car there easily. Oh. I put on my FRS stickers for the Nürburgring and Spa. Yeah. My FRS was never on the Nürburgring and Spa. Right. But I was really pleased with the fact that I was. Yeah. yeah. I have them on my helmet too. Yeah. Because my head has been there. Okay. <laughs> so the the driver has yeah. been. I, I, I'm willing to give this a pass if it's tracks you couldn't easily get to, but you as a person have been to, but your car has not. If it's a track that is your local track, you've driven it, but your car hasn't. Put it on the car that did it. If it's a track you couldn't get your car to, I'll give you a pass. Charles K. Sim, keeping with the track theme, is asking, mm-hmm. as track day season is upon us, any tips for beginning track days, HPDE drivers, or perhaps share stories of our first season of track days? There are many, but a, a few tips, and that is your headspace around tires. And we mm-hmm. talk about tires a lot on this podcast, but be prepared to really be paying a lot of attention to your tires. Mm-hmm. Because not only... Does it matter what brand and what the tread compound is and what they're made for? But bring your torque wrench, assuming you've got one, so you can make sure your lugs are tightened. And be prepared to have access to either you know an, an air pump or an air compressor. Ideally, mm. an air compressor. Somebody at the track should have one. Do play with your tire pressures. And, make sure and your not tire over. pressure. Yeah. So that's really what it's all about. Because as your car heats up and as, as you get really hot, those tire pressures, you need to let a lot of air out of your tires. A lot more than you think. Mm -hmm. And you need to really monitor that closely after every session. I think that's something that a lot of HPDE events don't focus on that much. They kind of leave it up to the individual driver because it is preference. Depends on the weather of the day. Depends on your tire compound. Depends on your car. Depends on how hard you're driving. You can't roll in and know that I'm going to set them to this. You've just got to to find the sweet spot when the tires are hot. It fluctuates from session to session. Yeah, it does. So just... Be prepared to really – and ask questions about other people's tires. Hey, what pressure is you running right now? And take into consideration their car and how fast mm-hmm. they are as drivers and that kind of thing. And, you know, the less pressure you go, sure, things heat up. They'll grip more. The, the shoulder will roll over more. But that's now eating into your wallet. <laughs> it's more tire wear. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's – honestly, it's more fun yeah. because you can dive deeper and brake later and yeah. turn yeah, harder yeah. into corners. But – 
have a session where you're just running light. I mean, you're not, you're, you're seven tenths, mm-hmm. you know, and your nominal pressures for the, the temperature and, and we'll say 30 right now. And then have a session where you're, you know, you're comfortable and things are hotter and you're really getting after it. And then take a look at your tires. Are they starting to feather? You know, what's going on with your alignment? Do you think, huh, I can see the purpose for a future track alignment where you add some negative camber, you know, have conversations Mm. with people like that at the track and then have another session where you're backed off again and really start to pay attention to your tires, the grip and corners, you're playing with your line, you're playing with the heat of the day, all Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. It's still very much all about tires. I agree with all of that. We could, we could spend, you know, power and brakes and all that stuff that will come, but really, really pay close attention to your tires at all times and your tire pressures after each session. I think that's excellent. I also will say, we've mentioned this before, but do everything you can to get an instructor right along. Absolutely. Hopefully, if you're a newbie, I I hope, depending upon the place you're going with and where you are, they're probably going to require an instructor right seat. But Mm -hmm. if they don't, make sure you get one. If it costs a little bit of extra money, spend that money because you don't have any idea what your car is capable of, your car is capable of, and also you don't have any idea what the track is like. You haven't been on it before. You don't know the line. Or the surface conditions. Totally. And I would also say if you can, can you ride with the instructor in their car? Yeah. Just just watch them drive. And get a sense for you will have your mind blown by the speeds they will accomplish. Mm-hmm. But yeah. get an instructor riding right seat to talk you through because you will find much more confidence much faster with having somebody talking in your ear. That race line will appear when you're doing the ride yeah. along. The yeah. race line will appear in front of your eyes and go, oh, that's the line. I, I can carry there. that kind of speed through the corner with yeah. a whatever car. Have them ride with you and then Phenomenal. you should ride with them. It's very, yeah. very different. It's excellent. Matt Guerra, 82, asks, what's the best way to cope with door ding obsession? Uh-oh. Besides the obvious parking the last spot on the lot. This is me, Matt. Mm, yes, you do. And putting a sign on the window saying, I'm fat, please keep your distance. <laughs> I've never what? heard of that. What? <laughs> I'm fat, please keep your distance. Yikes. I'm just, I'm mm. going to stay over here for a second. Okay, go on. The answer, Matt, is clear paint protection film. Mm. If this does concern you deeply. Now, it doesn't help with the hard force behind the, the door. The impression in your door. It doesn't. <laughs> but for the for the little, the door swung open and then it kept swinging just that, you know, a few yeah. more inches to nest into its detent mm-hmm. on the door open there. And it goes, bink. Finds the paint. Your clear paint protection film, if you have it on your doors, it's self-healing. And usually it takes care of those things. You're right. And the best part is you can still think of your car as normal everything when it comes to car care. It doesn't change the equation. Mm-hmm. You still treat it just like you would if it didn't have paint protection film. So you can do all those griots things all over your car when you do have paint protection film. It just gives you that little bit extra peace of mind. I see that. Event Brello says, is he crazy I to be nostalgic this. for hydraulic steering? Most electric it. steering today just makes him sad. What all of you driven with electric steering? Because two two conflicting thoughts here. First off, it's gotten a lot better. Porsche's doing it very well. Yes. The 86 is very good at it, too. S2K invented good electric yes, steering. Yes. I mean, there's not a lot of feel there, but the car's got a lot of feel. But but honestly, the, the current 86 chassis, the current Miata is okay. The current Porsche lineup is excellent. People mm-hmm. are doing it some better than others. So it is improving. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Hydraulic steering is better. The question is... Do you not want anything new just for that reason? There are plenty of good new cars being built that unfortunately happen to have electric steering feel. 
I'm extra spoiled because I have the Lotus, which has no assist at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you actually said it to me a while ago, Paul. Your joke was not everything's a Lotus. But but in a weird way, that did kind of see, seep into my brain, and I started to realize, okay, I love having the Lotus with full hydraulic steering and a really light front end, and nothing else has steering feel like that car. Absolutely. And so I had to, in my brain, just go, and that's okay. That's okay. The Lotus is over here with angelic steering feel. It's amazing. It's and amazing. then everything else is going to be in its own category of good. And that's just by virtue of platform totally. and the purpose of the car and size and so electronics. And I, th- I think it's fine that you're nostalgic for it. I would recommend to you, do you have a car that has that so you have that interaction? And then just embrace the fact that the technology's moved on, unfortunately. Like the automatic transmission thing we were talking about. If you get new cars, unfortunately, it's just where we are. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Parker Singleton asks, for any good police stories? Yes, I do have one for you, Parker. Our officer Chad friend texted me the other day. Oh, yeah? Because he saw a Ferrari FF being pulled through a tunnel car wash. And he went, snap photo. Oh. You've got to be kidding me. Send to Paul. <laughs> Grr. He has a preset <laughs> called send to Paul. Yeah. But but I'll be honest. Oh. I would I would make that my winter car. I'd probably take it to the tunnel I wash. I know you would. I probably would. And I'm sorry, Chad. And he sent it to me and yes. went, Grr. <laughs> Who takes an FF through the tunnel car wash? would have wash? sent it to me and I would have just been like, yeah, this guy's driving it. Good for him. <laughs> You're like, hey, look a front. Oh, yeah, I guess it's getting washed. Right, right, right. <laughs> And so we talked about in the future traffic stops. He said, by the way, he doesn't like giving tickets any more than we all like getting tickets. Fair, fair. But he says, I might do this. The next time I see a dirty car going through the wash like that, he's going to pull him over and says, hand him a little micro bottle of speed shine from Griot's and a microfiber towel and say, (laughs) for Pete's sake, what are you doing? You weren't speeding, but... Clean your car it's, properly. It's the speed, speed shine stop. Yes. I think we could get Griot's to sponsor Chad doing that. I love these yes. little travel bottles of speed shine. I pulled you over today, not for speeding, but for speed shining. Speed shining. Your car is filthy. You're driving a gorgeous car. What are you doing? Clean That's your car awesome. for Pete's sake. Chris Hutch 4 says something that lines up along with everything we've talked about, about the, the Audi wagon and other things. He says, hang on a second. Uh... My wife hates all hatchbacks and wagons apart from the Mini. And he said, we're living in the UK, which makes shopping for her incredibly difficult. <laughs> hmm. What is the deal? She's from Texas. Is it just a part of the country? Is it in the entire U.S.? Chris, I'm really sorry to say this to you. It's the whole U.S. We, 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 well, I, I'm sorry. Surprise. It's not just Texas. I, I mean, honestly, the fact that she's from Texas, she's listening now and hello. The fact that she's from Texas and she doesn't want a large truck, that's a blessing, my friend. Because she should probably just want like a thing you would call a lorry, the, the Lone Star Edition lorry. Seriously, so like so that. the fact that she doesn't want a big truck and she's willing to take a mini, I think, is awesome. The problem is that we go through like a couple decade stages where a car is the thing everybody buys, and then it becomes the pariah. Mm-hmm. And in the eighties, seventies, early eighties, the wagon was the car every family had. And then it became, look at the vacation movies for a start. Then it became the pariah that nobody wanted because everybody wanted a minivan. And then the minivan became the pariah. And now we all want SUVs. We're still in the back of the SUV craze. But the wagon lingers with this, you don't want a wagon. And my wife does it, also from Texas. She looks at something that's a hatchback and goes, why do you want a wagon? I'm like, but it's a hatch with it's the hotness and the, oh, and forget the engine, it. how well it drives and blah, blah, blah. And then blah, she goes, blah. what's that big truck over there? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for your questions. Keep them coming. We're always enjoying it. Really appreciate it. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>